Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey guys, this is Erica Ramirez, senior editor at Billboard. And on this week's Juice podcast, I have Jeff Sledge, former Drive A&R, also founder of Pop Life podcast yes i got it right first yes and my co-host again andrew hamp thanks for having me again so i wanted to um, dedicate a portion of this episode on Aaliyah's debut album age ain't nothing but a number because it actually turns 20 years old 20 on saturday jeff you were at jive how were you around when she was actually signed to jive how was how was that signing? How was it? Who founded her? How um, well, it was an interesting process because um, uh, Jive. Well, let me just kind of backtrack a little bit. At that time, Jive was a um, a privately owned company. I mean, we were distributed through um, major distribution, but it was owned by one guy. His name was Clive Calder, and he was very involved with the whole A and R process and everything. So forward, um, we had signed R. Kelly. Um, and R. Kelly, I think, had done two albums at that point, the first one and then 12th Play. So he was becoming hugely successful. R. Kelly was managed by a man named Barry Hankerson, mm-hmm. Barry Hankerson's old-time music vet. Um, and Leah is Barry's niece. Mm-hmm. So she was from Detroit, and Barry um, used to always talk about his niece and stuff. And he had bought her to Jive when she probably was like 11 or 12, and Jive almost signed her. But not quite. Clive was like, she's almost there, but she needs a little more development. You know, of course, she was really, really young. Yeah. So he was like, Barry, like, I'm with you. Like, I, I get it, but just go back and develop her more. And so he did. And then I guess when she was, she signed when she was like 14. And um, the immediate plan was to put her and Robert together and in the course of a summer and them to make an album. And that's what happened. So how so was this album recorded just within that summer? Yep. That summer? One summer. Like she got off of school in, you know, May whatever or June for whatever it was. Yeah. And immediately went to Chicago, you know, which is very close to Detroit, and basically stayed in Chicago the whole summer. And they were in the studio because, you know, Robert's a studio uh, hawk. He's in there every day regardless. Yeah. So they were, they were in the studio every day. And they would and they would also kind of talk a lot and hang out and go to the movies and he'd go play ball and and Robbins was so genius because in the course of that he was constantly talking to her like oh so what kind of boys you like yeah. oh what kind of sneakers you like and it was just kind of like a conversation and he was like he was filing yeah. so then when he started to write the records he was like reflecting what she what what a fifteen year old girl at that time would 
would be about. Yeah. Right. So how were what sessions were you a part of? Actually, it wasn't part of any of the sessions. We nope. And the funny thing is, nobody at Jive really was. Um, right. There was one guy. Is a guy who signed Robert, a guy named Wayne Williams. He went to a few sessions because he would always go. He was still. He lives in New York now, but at that time he was still living in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, so he would kind of go by the studio and stuff to hang out. But basically, Robin and Aaliyah made the record. Right. So it was pretty much just them too. It was just them too. Yeah, it was just them too with Robert's, you know, musicians or whatever. Like, it wasn't like an A&R person. It was Mm -hmm. like, Robert was an A&R person. (laughs) He made the record and then they delivered it. Yeah. And it was like, oh, shit, it's great. You know, but it wasn't like, go back and da-da-da-da. It was really like they really left Robin and Aaliyah to their own devices um, with Robert's crew to kind of, you know, formulate the record so they didn't give anyone like a sneak peek before not really no. not That's really crazy i mean I, if i remember correctly because it's been so, so long time ago they might have floated um the single aging um no, names, uh, back, back and forth, forth. excuse me yeah it might have floated that that to us early mm-hmm. but basically the meat of the record they didn't like let, let most of us hear until it was done we, we you know we would have A and R meetings and then we would play music and obviously those meetings and that's where most of us heard the records were in the A and R meeting. I was like, oh man, this is really coming together. But no, nah, it wow. wasn't like, oh, here's one, here's one. What do you think? It's, it was a very different process than kind of what happens now. Yeah, very different. So it was a self-contained record when it was handed in. Like you didn't ask them to go back for anything. No. Wow. No. You know, Robert. I mean, at that time, you have to also remember Robert was probably in his twenties. Yeah. So he, you know, so he was very, very connected to the kind of youth culture and stuff too. Totally. So he and Clive and all of us, you know, trusted him explicitly that we, he was, he is like a genius. Like I tell people that all the time. Like he's the most talented artist I've ever seen, ever. Because he's a one-stop shop. He can do anything. Yeah. I've seen this dude sit at the piano playing Nat King Cole songs. Mm-hmm. Like he can do anything so with that level of talent and then he's like a real street guy he came in the projects like so he just kind of blends all that together so we knew that he would make a great record so it wasn't you could say it was like a one-stop shop yeah so because obviously i mean the album was named both after the song agent nothing but a number but it's named because you know she's ahead of her time so at what point did you choose to kind of use her age, her relative youth, as kind of the, the marketing tool for this well, project? Well, you saw it in the first video, yeah. the back and forth video, you know, with, um, you know, it was just a very young video, you know, them dancing, they're kind of out at the playground or whatever. Like, we never, we, it was never a plan to kind of, you know, sometimes you get an artist that's very young and they kind of like mask it a little bit or try to hide the fact that they're really young. Mm-hmm. That was never a plan. It was always a plan to play up the fact that she was this very young girl and very like young, vibrant, you know, kind of creative girl. So, um, yeah, and if I rem- remember correctly, I think Robert might have named the album. I think he might have named the title of the it. album as yeah. well, you know, so, so it was, you know, it was just. Yeah, it was it was never a plan to kind of like hide the fact that she was 15 years old. We wanted girls of that age around the country to for her to be like their their rep, their representative and their hero, you know. Absolutely. The brilliance of that phrase, too, is that on the song, you know, it's based off a Belby Caldwell sample. So it's like something that's, you know, got lots of nods to the old school, but still felt very current to the times, you know. And she's got like the Marvin Gaye cover with that your best. Like that's why it was so great for its time is that it fused all these old school references. But, you know, yeah, was so relevant to the kids. Yeah, But then at your best thing was a trip, too, because he 
they had the original and then like then he flipped it like mm-hmm. with the with the remix, with the, remix. With the drums and all that and made it real funky like so he was like so in his own at that point like and he was just in his own like anything he did was just incredible you know and she was like his muse like she yeah. literally was his muse like you know she 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 brought a lot to the table too she wasn't writing or anything but she actually had a lot of ideas well, sounds like he made your job easy. <laughs> but what what did you what were you able to contribute? Well, well, well honestly, like the the one thing I did, I always tell the story because it was kind of funny because me and Barry Hankerson had a great relationship, um, and so they wanted me to sequence the record, the album when it came in and was done, right? So I took time, cause, you know, I was, that was one of the things I was always pretty good at, like kind of making an album flow. But I took time and like locked my office doors and I'm going through the records and all oh, that don't fit. And da, da, da. You know, it took a, you know, a couple of hours of trying stuff out or whatever. And so I got what I thought was really good. And then Hankerson came to town because he didn't live in New York. Um, he lives in L.A. He still does, actually. Um, he came to town and I was like all nervous, like, all right, yo. You know, he's coming to my office, and I'm like, all right, Barry, I got the sequence, man. Like, here you go. Like, what do you think? And I'm thinking, I got, like, the tape set up. You know, that time was, like, that tapes and everything. So I got the tape set up to kind of play the sequence, and, and he just kind of looked at the paper, and he was like, you like this shit? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I think it sounds good. He was like, well, fuck it, that's the sequence then. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. You know, and, and that was the sequence for the album. Like, he did, there was no problems. And I kept waiting for things. I kept waiting for, like, Robert to call me or Aaliyah's people to call me and say nobody ever called. And that became the sequence of the album. Wow. You know, so it's very kind of, you know, it was, it was just all feeling. You know, it was just like a good, it was just all feeling all around that record. It was just kind of like people just working organically. And the way it felt, if it felt good, you just went with it. So as you were listening to it the, for, for the first time, or the entire album for the mm-hmm. first time, what were some things that kind of stood out to you, whether it be the first time you ever heard an artist say? or? Well, you know what? It was interesting. It's interesting about that album because he found a way to um, – because her vocal isn't like a powerhouse vocal. It's not mm-hmm. like Monica or somebody like a real big kind of churchy mm-hmm. kind of vocal. It's a you know, very light, very pretty, pretty vocal. So he found a way to, to, to marry that light, pretty vocal with like a lot of some hard – a lot of hard-edged stuff. Yep. And I, that was always – I was always kind of – I was going to say concerned, but that's completely the wrong word. But I was curious mm-hmm. to see how he was going to do that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. she didn't, like I said, she didn't have the, the you know, like a Patti LaBelle voice or something like that, which right. is, you know, people kind of expect from a, from a black female artist. So, but he found a way to balance it, you know. Um, and then obviously with all the, the subject matter, you know, at your best, ain't you a number, back and forth. Like he found a way to really kind of speak to young girls, you know. And, and it's always interesting, like, you know, over time, you know, you you work at a label, you know, and you work at a label for a long time like I did. And, you know, obviously you, you, the label puts out a lot of records. You know, some you worked on, some you did and whatever, but you you were around for stuff. So you see stuff. And then you never really know, like, the impact that records have. You don't really, even if they sell, you don't really know the impact. So then uh, later, as she, she, you know, she left Jive and then later on she went and went to Atlantic and became a big artist or whatever. But then people always look at, like harken back. Obviously, those, the Timberland and the Missy stuff is, you know, Hall of Fame level, right? right. So, Absolutely. But people still would always harken back to the first album and it was always like, damn, like this album had like way more impact on. And, and, it, and what I mean by that is like when, when, when we would do showcases and stuff and like, you know, girls would come in or like it'd be a girl group and we'd say like, you know, 
what do you what do you listen to? What do you like? And uh, so many times people would bring her up. Yeah. Um, and and the thing is, it wasn't fake because a lot of people didn't realize her first album was on Jive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't like they researched it and was like, oh, we're going to say Jive because we're at Jive. Right. People didn't really. We, we would they would say stuff and like, oh yeah, that was our album. They'd be go, really? I, I didn't know. So it was it was just showed the impact that the album had and that she had on people was just way deeper than I realized. Is you know she was a trendsetter, totally. way more than I kind of thought. Oh my god, talk about trendsetter! Yeah, like I mean, way more than I thought. Yeah. You know, Brandy Monica always bring her up in terms of paving the way because she was out a full year before they exactly. Really she was the, the first one, and then yeah. those two came. Then I think Brandy was second, and Monica was third. Yeah, um, yeah, but again, it's just it was just it was just a bug out to see how far how deep those roots on that record reached people you don't really you don't really know you know right i know that have you spoken to barry as in regards to the unreleased music that he wants to put out of Elias? i haven't actually i haven't spoken to barry in a minute we kind of lost touch um oh i know i know um via another person i work with uh faith newman mm-hmm. who signed Nas, and then she worked at jive for a long time she's now doing publishing and i think that the barry she did a deal with barry um, and so that unreleased stuff is kind of like her publishing company is kind of involved with putting that album together. So I've kind of spoken to her, but I haven't actually spoken to Barry. Right. Um, personally, you know, seeing your relationship with Leah and R. Kelly, how do you feel about having un- unreleased Aaliyah music out? 2014? You know what, man? I don't, it, it doesn't really, it doesn't really bother me because, um, a, a couple things. It doesn't really bother me because, um, Obviously, she she left to me uh, to me and I'm sure everybody else. She left too soon, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like she put out ten albums. Right. Right. Um, so people um, are still very hungry for to hear her stuff. Um, and I know with Barry and Jomo, who's Barry's son, um, involved with the project, it's going to be done well. You know, and Timberland and Missy will show chime in and stuff. So it's not it's going to be done well. So I don't have a, a problem with it because I know the the, the gatekeepers are going to do a great job. Um, and the other thing I just want to say is like, and maybe because I'm a fan of his, but I thought the whole people kind of going hard on Drake when he was trying to do it, I thought it was whack. It was like, like he's dope. Like he's yeah. dope. And so is 40. Like they're dope. Oh, like no, who absolutely. else should do this but them? I mean, right. but so I don't, you know, I, I'm sure there's other things that happen business wise maybe that I, I don't know about, but I just felt the backlash was kind of like, come on, man. Well, it's I, just, I know, think the backlash came because there was like, reports that Aaliyah's mother and her brother were not like with the whole having them release music. And I think, I know recently Noah um, Forty said that that's why he kind of had to take a step back because he didn't want to kind of get involved in that situation. And I know, I mean, I know, not surprisingly, but you know, when she passed away, like, you know, went to the services and everything. And for a while I I used to live um, in White Plains and so did his, uh, Aaliyah's mom mm-hmm. so I would like kind of see her you know randomly sometimes like on the street and stuff you know and like the, her, the Aaliyah's death was just like such a brutal thing to her like not you know obviously not surprising but it was just it, it, it hurt her so deeply right. that I could see her having issues just because it's it's kind of like digging up old, open you know, old wounds as well. Like it's just a hard thing I think for her to deal with. It was, she took it like really, really, and her brother as well. Like really, really hard. Like everybody did. It was it was terrible. It was terrible. You know. So 
I hope we get the music just because I'm a fan. Right. Mm-hmm. But I could, from you know, being kind of seeing the inside, I could see how it might not happen because you know her mom is is very still very devastated by her loss. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you want it for the right reasons. Yeah, I don't want it just because it's pers- you know, selfishly because I want to hear it. If it if the family's not into it, then I don't, you know, then I understand that. You know, so it's it's not me that has to deal with that pain every day, right? You know, so I, I totally get it. I remember you um, you just said how you know when Aaliyah and R. Kelly were working on the album, it was just pretty much them two till you know they previewed it to the label. Was R. Kelly always like that as far as the music that he's worked on, whether it be his or someone else? Was it just is it mostly just him and the artist, or himself with his stuff? Um, no, Robert would Robert would would send stuff sometimes. He would send stuff sometimes. He's he felt like he had, you know, a monster or whatever. He would he would send stuff. Or Wayne, who I spoke about earlier, who was his A and R person, would bring stuff, you know, back from Chicago and be like, "Got his record, Robert wrote, or his record that Robert did." So we we would hear stuff from Robert. He wasn't as tight um, with his stuff, but like that, you know. And and, and the thing is, I don't think that. It, he was being like tight with the Leah stuff. It was just that they were in the zone, they were working, and we didn't kind of want to mess up their zone, so we just didn't bother them. But I'm sure if we'd have asked Robert to send records, he would have. We just didn't because, like, you know what? Let them do what they do. We trust that he's going to do the right thing. You know. Right. So it wasn't like a secret. It was just like, hey, in Chicago, they working, you know, and we were just going about our day, you know, doing whatever. <laughs> and then yeah. they, you know, then we heard the stuff, like, you know, it was like, oh shit, this is incredible, you know. Right. At that time um, at Jive, were you guys, you know, with R. Kelly and Aaliyah working so closely together, like the rumors of, a, of you know, personal chemistry or relationships kind of came after? Did you guys even see that coming? Did that kind of take you back? No. Nobody saw that coming. Right. Nobody he, saw that coming. That just came out of, I'm not necessarily sure exactly when it happened. I assume it was like right after. It was like summer 94, I thought, yeah, right? Yeah. Like probably well, right. What, what happened, was, I mean, again. And let me preface this by saying, obviously, I'm not saying anything to condone anything that happened. But what happened was Robert's mom died in the process of them making the record. And Robert was extraordinarily close to his mom. She was an insp- She was his muse, you know, right. She as well. She was an inspiration for him in a lot of ways and stuff. And so it was a traumatic experience. And so that, tra- that trauma... Um, made her him and Aaliyah become very close because a lot of times in the studio, like he would it would just be them too. And he'd be like obviously crying and, you know, going through whatever he was dealing with, with trying to deal with the loss of his mom. And like she would be the one kind of there comforting him, but you know, because they were working together so closely. Again, not condoning anything, but I think that's what kind of got the lines fuzzy. Right. You know, I think yeah. that was it, you know, really. Yeah. Did you guys, when all that was going around, did you guys take a step back or were you involved in kind of settling? It was very tricky because, you know, you, you don't, you know, yeah, it was very tricky. Like we didn't take a step back because her album came out and did well and Robert put out, um, the, we call it the blue album, the mm-hmm. R. Kelly album. It was <laughs> yeah. 95. So like he, everybody was still working, but it was definitely weird. You know what yeah. I mean? And, you know, we weren't, you know, nobody, talk to the press, nor was allowed to do press. And that's when all the, you know, vibe was doing the crazy stories and everything. And we, we would just come, was trying to do damage control as, as much as possible. Um, but it was a, it was a trying time because it was a lot going on, you know I mean? And it, this is going to sound weird, but as bad as that was, God bless it. That wasn't today. Like, could you imagine with Twitter and the blind? 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It was no blogs. It was none of that. So imagine with blogs and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and blah, blah, blah. It would be just no TMZ. It would have just been, oh, my, I don't even know. I can't even wrap my mind around what what would happen if something like that was going on now. Yeah. Well, because that's – which speaks to the power of the music because that's why if you didn't know, if you just heard back and forth on the radio, you'd be like, oh, that's a hot song. Like, mm-hmm. I need to check out the record. Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't even – you know, the, the the tabloid stuff wouldn't overlap yeah, with the music as much. Yeah, we on other stuff. Yeah, now yeah. it would be every, – the tabloid stuff would lead yeah. everything. The music would be like six in sixth place. Totally. You know. Yeah, but I don't know. That whole that whole situation gave the album another feel. I mean, it did from the title of the song yeah. to yeah. the songwriting to yeah. you know R. Kelly being in the background of the album yeah. cover, in the background like, of the videos. And right, stuff, it you know. gave that album a, a narrative. A, yeah. yeah, yeah. How did you guys feel about that? About it kind of playing that part also? From what I remember, it worked. Right, you know, it sold. <laughs> the album did was a one or two man. It was one and change. I don't. It might be. It probably. It's probably around two I know, now. Yeah. Just the minute that back and forth came out. Yeah, it was yeah. over. Like, yeah, it was just over. You know, that was so, the first single. So. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it, it worked. So we, you know, we we're in the business of selling records, and the records were selling. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> so, yeah, it was all good. Yeah, and there was also. You know, kind of the air of mystery around her because you always saw her in shades, right? Like yep. her image was very carefully, like very. you know. Very, yeah, very carefully planned, like, you know, like a lot of black. Yep. She always wore a lot of black, you know, the leather, like you said, the, the, um, she had the, the bandanas and shades on and stuff. Yep. And even later, she had the hair over one eye. It was mm-hmm. always like, people used to be like, oh, is she cross-eyed or she's blind in <laughs> one eye? It was like, nah, it was just That's like you style. said, it was that air of mystery that, um, you know, that she had, you know, and her whole style with the big jeans hanging low and everything. Yep. It was just, you know, she had, she had the crazy swag, you know, so that was, um, that was that was interesting to watch too because she went to like what's the basically the version of the Fame High School in mm-hmm. Detroit. Oh right, right. Yeah, so she went. She's very was a very creative girl. You know, like she you know she she it was she knew what she was doing. Yeah, right. You she know, had to craft an image. Yeah, she knew what she was doing. It wasn't just willy nilly. You know. So yeah. Did she did she come with that style, or yeah, did she kind of did, yeah. did or did she evolve to that style while recording? No, well, she was always kind of, she always dressed kind of tomboy Right. You know, if that's a word, I'm just a real yeah. word. <laughs> tomboy and then that tomboy boyishness, again, probably not a word, yeah. evolved into what, what she ended up, what she was wearing and looking like, you know? 
which is why, like, later on, like, you know, when she started doing the movies and started wearing, like, dresses and gowns, it was like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. You know, because we're so used to her wearing the big jeans and, like I said, shades and da-da-da. But, yeah, but, again, all her style was her. It was no stylist. Yeah. That was yeah. her. Like, no, nah, I'm wearing this. I'm wearing that. You know, I'm wearing this. And obviously, the more money she got, she was able to get the better versions of it. Right. But right. It was her. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just crazy how 20 years later, we still have girls wearing the crop tops and yeah. the baggy jeans and the shades mm-hmm. and <laughs> and not only fashion wise just also you know the type of vocals that we're hearing from like rising r&b singers it's very reminiscent to Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. are there um artists out there right now that kind of your ears perk up and you think of Aaliyah when you good, see or hear them that's a really good question no nobody off the top of my head but Maybe just because I'm not thinking of anybody. I don't know. What about you? Um, Well, it's funny because I, and I'm sure you do as well, Erica, I hear from labels like, you know, we think this could be the next Aaliyah. Like, we haven't had (laughs) one of those in a minute. Like, you'll you'll definitely hear that. Like, um, RCA definitely feels that about Tanache, for example. Oh, the Tanache girl. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. There's another singer, Jesse Ware, who openly like shouts out Aaliyah. And uh, she did a cover of What You Want to Do for Love. And uh, at the end of it, uh, made a melodic reference, like she did the "I don't want to be bold," like she does that. Really? Yeah. So, is she from England, Jesse? Ware? She is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. yeah. I've heard of her. Mm-hmm. Um. So no, there's so there's like you know people who are basically positioning themselves as the next yeah, Aaliyah. There's yeah. labels who want to essentially make that happen. Make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's nobody off the top of my head, but I mean, you know, God bless. You know, if they, somebody's out there is, is the next one. <laughs> Let's 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 hear it. Let's go for it. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's. I mean, I know that there's a, many that are very influenced by them. I know that Rochelle Jordan is. You know, she did a cover "One in a Million, mm-hmm. and she's like a new R and B singer. She's from Canada. Um, I believe so. I believe so. And then there's also a group name Unbutton, which also did a "One in a Million cover. And okay. there's, I mean, there's clearly countless of covers, yeah, but. Yeah. You could tell they're, you know, and also Drake and Kendrick Lamar and ASAP well, yeah. Ferg. Like, Drake is blatant, like, yes. for his love of her, you know. There's, he has a tattoo of her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so exactly. That love is, is out there. But, yeah, I think it's just, it's crazy how 20 years we still have, you know, the influence is very, very apparent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there, what other moments kind of in the AJ Nothing But a Number era do you remember? Um, I just, I, I really, just two of the things I remember is just kind of like how impactful um, the back and forth video and then the At Your Best video with, with her and Robert. Like, like, I just remember like like when those, I mean, again, this is a different era, so videos were way more impactful then than now because it wasn't on YouTube and stuff. But I just remember like, you know, us seeing those videos in the office for the first time and just being like, damn, like this shit is really, really, really going to go, you know? Yeah. Um and hearing that Step Is remix of At Your Best for the first time was like, just the way he flipped the whole record, it was it was crazy, you know? Um, and again, just the impact of those videos and like watching, like you said, like girls starting to dress like her right. and like, and you know, and at that, I was doing A&R, I had just come out of promotions, but you know, when you're working on a label kind of like job back then, everybody would like, always have people would call you and ask you for records. Like, oh, can you send me this CD or send me that CD? And like, so that, and that was always like a gauge of what was really working. Mm-hmm. And I must remember, like, people just like constantly like, yo, send me the Leah album, send me the <laughs> tape, 
Samita Lee album. Samita Lee, yo, Simi too. <laughs> oh, my little cousin wants. I just remember like it just like the just the, the swirl around it and like everybody just wanting it, wanting it and like I guess like, the questions. Yo, was she? How come she never shows her eyes? And like, what's she really like? And is she really fifteen? Like yep. all the people just kind of like wanting to know more and more about this girl was crazy, you know. And then she was like, I was just like a really nice, sweet girl. I mean, yeah. again, she was a very young back then, but. She's a nice girl, man. Just like a nice, sweet girl. Like she'd come up sometime. We do like brunches or lunches and stuff, and with the staff. And she would just like her and her mom would come, and they would just kind of sit there, very, very polite, very poised, you know, and just a nice girl. Yeah. Like you know, just a really like no attitude, no, you know, no stinkiness or you know, no bitchiness. She was just a really sweet person, like for real, you know. Yeah, I know, Hamp. You. Um we talked about a little earlier about just kind of the mystery around Aaliyah. And I think it's funny that you say that, that she's always kind of had that mystery around her. Cause that definitely followed her throughout her entire career. That's also like what was appealing about her. You mm-hmm. always wanted to know more about Aaliyah mm-hmm. just by even looking at her. Yeah. I wanted, um, I don't know Hamp, if you wanted to, to still talk about Aaliyah, but I wanted to switch up gears and talk about some new music. Jeff, uh, what, I mean, you, you have some, ears to music that we probably haven't heard of or don't know of is it what are you listening to or what have you kind of came across that you're kind of excited for recent recent more more recently yes um you know what let me go well there's one kid i love um who i've had the the opportunity to meet as well and i think he's amazing and i don't know if you you might might have heard him as this kid named jordan bratton He's a kid from Long Island, um, but he works out of Jersey. I think he just performed in New York. Like yeah, he pianos a yeah. couple weeks ago. Yeah. He does some other stuff, too. So he's starting to get around. And, like, this kid is, like, like if you could take, it's going to sound strong, but it's real. <laughs> if you could take, like, a little Michael and a little Stevie and even, like, a little Prince and push them together. Hmm. But it's very young and now. Yeah. Right. It doesn't sound retro. Right. But if you you know know those artists, you hear there you hear them in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's not he's not like doing ribbon in the sky over. But right. you hear right. like like because he plays all kinds of instruments. You hear like a piano riff and be like, that's some Stevie type shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I love him. Um, I'm going through my phones because so I won't get caught out there forgetting something. <laughs> um, we don't I, ha- we I, don't have enough like dudes at the piano, so that's that's we, good. Yeah. Exactly, we need more of that. We need <laughs> yeah. more of that, especially young guys. Yeah. Um, I love Young Thug. Yeah, I love yeah. Young Thug. <laughs> I hope he makes it. I know he's got you know he's on the lean and he's a little, kind of a kook, but when he rhyme like the way he rhymes is so ill because he's like. The way he he moves on the track is yeah. so crazy. It's almost like listening to like a saxophone player. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, but it, it, it makes sense. Like I don't even know. I'd love to watch him record. I I would love to like be in the studio and just watch him do his vocals because I don't even know how he's coming up with that. Yeah. And and you know. You can't even if with the drugs and all that. You can't just make that shit up. Like he's right. he's got a is a talent, a real talent there. I just hope he makes it. I love Party Next Door. Yep, um, a lot. He's supposed yeah, to come out fan. with a mixtape this summer sometime. Good. So I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Um, I love Tink. Oh, I'm a big um, fan of Tink. We had her in here <laughs> like a year, really? a year ago, a year, a year and a half ago. And she, I just, um, she just put out a song with Khalila, which I'm oh, the other Khalila record. Yeah, yes. that, that, the kid um, that produced Worst Behavior, I think he produced it. Oh wow! Um, oh, yeah, I yeah. know what you're talking about. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. Um, so I love him. 
uh, her, her rather, excuse me, um, um, loving uh, young Dro. I love to see he got a record out called Grits. I love that. So I, I'm liking a lot of different stuff. Yeah. There's, um, so I'm obsessed over Nicki Minaj's Pills and Potions. <laughs> Are you? I, 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 I really, really like it. I was, you know, she put out Chirac and she put out a couple other uh, remixes. So and I she, like, I loved her on Danny Glover. Yes. Yeah. Was, yes. Yeah, yes. So I was expecting, you know, I wasn't, I was wondering what was coming up next and when I could hear her sing. Cause I really do think that Nikki has a good voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's gotten better at her at singing. So I'm, I was excited to hear it, but I really, it's very catchy is what I like. And she, it's, it's a, a great transition from her singing to her rapping and Dr. Lou produced it. So I have. What do you think of the of the song? I love it. I think it bridges all the right gaps for her, coming off of you know kind of the EDM pop that she was doing on Roman Reloaded to where she needs to be, which is you know reconnecting with her flows, with her with her rhymes, but also like showcasing her vocals on the hooks. And I think it does that, and it tells a story. Yes. Like you love the emo ness. I sure. love the emo ness. <laughs> you yeah. You're a big uh, emo I'm person. I'm big emo. And the minute she said that this album was going to be more stripped down, and yeah. it's like that, you know, Pills and Potions is a true story, and the mm-hmm. album's a true story. I was like, I'm excited. Like I think that at least with me, I'm able to connect a lot more, knowing that these are things that she's actually experienced with any artist, things that you know you've actually experienced. Mm-hmm. So it's also you know a look into her life without her having to explain every bit of it yeah so yeah that's that's also yeah why i really like the song what do you what, what's your thoughts on nikki New um, Nikki. i i i think I, I like i like where she's going because i think she from the first album to the second she swung the pendulum too far too fast mm-hmm. like she went from you know your love and and a moment of my life and all that and she just swung so hard the other way like you said with the super edm stuff and um, uh, super bass and all mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. And, and, you know, and and the and, and the way she was rhyming, it was too much cartoonish stuff going mm-hmm. on. With yeah, the, you know, with the voices and everything, it was so it was it's and 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 she, I feel like she left she she almost lost a lot of her core fans this with the second album because again she's it's like taking a car and just making a hard turn. It's like everybody's gonna swing in the car. Yeah. Um. So now I feel like she's finding like he said the balance yeah like where it's like okay here's super bass fans were like this but so will the fans who loved the moment of my life and the mixtapes yeah like it'll be it'll now she kind of has everybody on board now yeah and she's found her zone and now she's running away and i also did love the fact that she like rhymed over danny glover mm-hmm. and like rhymed over some kind of more like street kind of you know atlanta ratchet records yeah. just to show that yo i can still do this like right. really really well yeah. And I haven't forgotten my roots kind of thing. Because those are her roots. Yeah. Um, so I like where she's going. And I'm very excited to hear the album, to hear where she's going to go. I'm very interested to hear where you know, where it's going to go. I think she's found her space. I think. And also, I really I really think, and people don't really, I hear, say this a lot, I really think she's very heavily influenced by Drake. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't mean like she tries to rap like Drake or anything like that, but I think that Drake's yeah. kind of openness and like, mm-hmm. you know, telling about his life and all that, I think that she's she's influenced by that. And I think this will be like her so far gone, this new album. Yeah. Or her take care. It'll You're be right. like, oh, shit, okay. Now yeah. I understand what she's been dealing with, you know? Because they're both people, too, who can do it all. Yeah. But they need, they're both realizing with 
their respective album cycles that they need to focus on doing like one or two things really well. Like, you know, cause Drake broke out singing his own hooks as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but knew that people still want to like hear him flow a little bit. Exactly. So she can, she, I think she's focusing on what she does best yeah. with this one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another kid I'm very interested in is this kid Rory. Oh, Rory. Yeah. I've, yeah. I, yeah, I've, he has a special place in my heart. I premiered his first song. God oh, Whisper. wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he's, um, He's actually having like a one day war fest festival in Atlanta for his 18th birthday. Really? Yeah. So I, I have a good feeling about him too. I feel like I do too. Be, yeah. I think, I think he's got a lot of potential. He's again, he's young and I think he, he needs to learn. He needs some A&R to learn how to kind of make records. But God's Whisper was dope. And in the Sunshine record, mm-hmm. the Sunshine record, was dope, but it was a is the arrangement is off. It's like it's like all the elements of dopeness are there, but they just come in a weird order. Yeah, but it, but he, it's okay. It's all, he's only eighteen. It's fine. Yeah, he's, just went to prom. Like I'm not. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, He'll he figure it graduate, out. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I like him too. Yeah, I'm excited like too. Mm-hmm. Actually, I just remembered. Yeah, the one album I cannot wait for, and I know you're a Prince fan, so you might know these girls. You know King. No. King, oh my god. You know them? Yes. When when is their album when are they? Sometime out? this year they keep saying. They're playing Essence. I'm so excited. Is this Prince's group? No, but he's uh, he's just one of they're one of many artists that Prince kind of like unofficially mentored. They've opened for him a couple times. Um, What's their um, vibe like? Their vibe is like 80s Quiet Storm R&B. Like Word? Jam and Lewis, but with but their sisters, I think, or they're like they're it's three girls from LA. Their voices blend like crazy. Um so like Quiet Storm meets Neo Soul, so 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 good. Like They got a mixtape out? They have an EP that came out three years ago. Yeah, I remember now. seeing at uh, Summer Stage at Central Park yeah. like two three years ago. Years yeah. They've been around for a long ass wow. minute, but they've only put out like five tracks. <laughs> so, All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm yeah. download today. I'm, yeah. It sounds sounds interesting. It's so good. Like they're on um, they're on the first Robert Glasper LP, so that also kind of gives you a, a feel for what they're like. Just like really cool. Um, Futuristic old school R and B, if that's okay. The thing. All right, cool. I'm gonna check it out. <laughs> check it out. Oh, that just made. I could speak about R and B and what. Like, I can't wait for Frank Ocean. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited. About you like weekend? I'm really excited for for Frank Ocean. I was speaking to James Fauntleroy, and he was just saying how people think that they work together, they collaborate, but he says that he just kind of takes a step back and just watches James Fauntleroy work. Like he writes his own songs and does everything. Yeah, he just like I'm there if he if he needs me to like talk mm. it out. He's like, but he does everything. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, thanks for teasing me. And yeah, does Fauntleroy still want to do his own stuff? Yeah. So he put out um, the string acoustic theory, I believe it's called the EP. Like he teased a song for he teased like six songs throughout one month, mm-hmm. and he just put it out a couple of days ago. And he's working on. He said he went and sang some stuff for Kanye for nice. Kanye's new album. Okay, he's um, has been collaborating with Rihanna, and then makes he sense. says that he wants to. That well, he's, he's in got, the Rock Nation family, right? So, so that yeah. makes sense. He's also working on his new album, which he says he wants to work closely with um, Timbaland and Justin Timberlake. He said makes those are like sense, yeah. the two key players that he wants on his <laughs> official album. Those are two big players. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, which you know they've known each other for a long time. They've worked each other. Yeah, um, I mean, he's everyone's secret weapon right now. Right, but he, you know. He's smart to see the mo- seize the moment and put himself forward a little bit. Yeah. So we have to wrap up this um, this week's episode of the Juice Podcast, and you guys can let me know what you guys think on Twitter 
at three Rica. Jeff, what's your Twitter handle? I am Jeff Sledge. And Hamp. Uh, a Hamp. A H A M double P. So you guys could. Oh, I like that last part. <laughs> so you guys could let us know what you think on Twitter, and I will talk to you guys next week. Yeah.